All right, cool. We're on schedule. Already for the speakers. In honor of Father's Day, I tend to like to move these along. <laughs> um, got three speakers today. Uh, know them fairly well. And they're going to speak on uh, fathering, what it means to them. Our first speaker, y'all will know well, well, is Ron Thurston. Ron? That's the first time I've ever had applause before I said it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, good morning, my church and spiritual family. Uh, I am fortunate uh, that I have two wonderful children, Molly and John, uh, who have mostly been a pleasure to raise. <laughs> as the years have gone, and we have become uh, much closer as a family, uh, quite a close-knit family there, uh, my parents instilled in me some pretty solid work ethics and values, and I'm sure over the years, my kids have picked those, picked those up. Uh, for today, uh, I want to focus this message on my dad. Uh, an appreciation for uh, Charles Earl Thurston. Dad was born in 1915 in Denver, Colorado, the younger of two, two boys. The older son was a family favorite and was supported through college. When Dad was ready for college, the Great Depression was in force and the family savings was quickly gone. Dad worked many jobs, any job he could find, and married Mom in uh, 1941 in Sydney, Nebraska. <clears throat> Little backstory there, uh, or here. Um, uh, Denver and Sydney are a ways apart. Way, I, I guess it would be <clears throat> like driving to Monroe. And uh, so uh, uh, roads were not you know, I-20 size. And uh, um, pretty severe winters and stuff like that. And Dad uh, said uh, it wasn't really easy dating your mom. <laughs> oh, excuse me, uh, because uh, reliable transportation was kind of a you know <laughs> a dice roll uh, back then, and weather was a dice roll. But anyway, um, uh, Mom and Dad's first date was a blind date. Let me see if I can straighten this out. So uh, Dad goes up to. Uh, Sydney, Nebraska, and uh, and picks her up, and they had just had a either snow or ice storm or something there. And uh, mom and dad are walking walking out toward the car, and mom's feet go straight up in the air, and bam, down comes mom. <laughs> and, and from that day on, mom said, "Well, uh, uh, I fell for your dad on the first day." <laughs> so, <laughs> absolutely true. <clears throat> and it stuck. Um, but 1941, you know what was going on in 41. So uh, uh, Dad joined the Army uh, shortly after Pearl Harbor and was stationed in northern India. Uh, he was part of a quartermaster corps, supply uh, uh, corps there, which was fortunate. Uh, um, he never had to see combat. And I am I'm certainly grateful for that. 
Um, he returned home to mom uh, in 1945, who was then living in Fort Worth, Texas, uh, there. Uh, they had found work at uh, Rexall Drug Company uh, there, and uh, he was a bookkeeper, keeping books. And he dis discovered that he, uh, he, liked, he liked that kind of work, order, regiment, um, numbers. Uh, I arrived in September of 47, and uh, Dad continued to work at Rexall Drug Company uh, until an accounting firm announced that they were opening an office in Midland, Texas, and accountants would be needed. That applied, was offered, and accepted the job on the spot. Dad shared his excitement with Mom, who was not quite as excited as Dad uh, about the aspect of leaving the bright lights of Fort Worth, Texas for the desert. Imagine that. Um, <clears throat> but Dad, uh, Dad made a run out to Midland and uh, met his new boss um, with the intention of buying a home, checking out the scene, seeing what he'd really gotten the family into, and uh, found his boss very accommodating. And Midland was in full uh, boomtown pitch, 19, 1951, oil basin, Permian basin. Uh, What's happening? Uh, Dad met a, a building contractor uh, there who had uh, uh, housing foundations, this flat, poured on Mariana Street. And uh, so Dad started talking to this contractor and he said, uh, you want a house, you want 3212 Mariana, that's it. So Dad bought a slab. <laughs> Sight unseen, had no idea what the house would look like. Dad bought the slab. And uh, so uh, imagine what he, how he polished that up for mom. When <laughs> well, it's hard, it's gray, it's kind of square, and boy, it's indestructible. <laughs> but anyway, um, that was the family home going forward. Now, Dad had another big step he needed to do in his, in his life, in his career. He had to get the CPA uh, to really uh, advance in the firm there. And uh, he did not have a college degree. Now, you, you have, these days, you have to have a college degree to sit for the CPA. And my understanding is it's a seven-part seven test, pretty doggone intensive test. And uh, so, Dad, and so a lot of this information came from mom, too, but uh, dad would get up at 4 a.m. every morning, every workday morning. I think he cut himself some slack on this. Every workday morning and study accounting. 4 a.m. to study accounting, you know. Uh, that's, that's commitment. And, uh, and, and then uh, when a test would come up in one of those seven parts there, he would drive to Texas Tech uh, in Lubbock and sit for the test. And uh, I, I, believe, I believe it took him seven years to, uh, to actually accomplish that. But he stuck it out, kept studying. Uh, and uh, so I remember, I remember one day, and it was 1960, um, and mom, mom gathered up the mail, you know, during the day, and 
and uh, so had it all ready for dad. And there was a letter from the uh, uh, accounting board for that. Yeah. And uh, so uh, mom said, and, and uh, I, have, I have a brother, a younger brother, Howard. <laughs> At that time, I was 13, Howard was six. We were both obnoxious, <laughs> craziness. And uh, Mom said, Dad got a letter from the accounting firm today. And so I said, well, let's open it. He said, no, no, wait for Dad. You know, so, uh, so Dad comes home, you know, and so, well, open the letter, open the letter, open the letter. You know? And uh, so uh, Dad said, uh, well, hang on, hang on. So he picks up the letter, and he looks at the letter, and he looks at all of us, gets back the letter, and uh, he said, uh, well, guys, I don't have to open it. And of course, mom went ballistic. <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, I mean, we, I got an, uh, you hadn't been in bed with me during the morning for seven years, and I want this stuff to be over with here. So, uh, so anyway, uh, uh, dad uh, said, uh, well, I really, I don't have to open this letter. And so he turns the envelope around, you know, so we can read it. Charles Earl Thurston, CPA. <laughs> and pretty emotional moment there. Uh, but um, uh, that, uh, that got Dad started. And uh, that really, really nailed his career down and his career track forward. So that was a huge, a huge moment uh, for, there for Dad. But uh, anyhow, um, back to, uh, to raising me, I was not exactly the, uh, the poster child. And uh, I had crazy times and uh, um, often, you know, did crazy stuff and uh, dissatisfied with my jobs and stuff like that. But uh, the family was, was very supportive. Dad was very, very supportive. Uh, there, even if he reprimanded me pretty severely sometimes, screwing up wrong. So, uh, uh, but Dad, Dad was great. And uh, so I tried to pass along those, those same, same values to my kids that, uh, do good, <laughs> and uh, uh, if you uh, if you screw up, I'll tell you you're screwing up. But I want you to do good. Yeah, so uh, today, Molly is in Portland, Oregon, and uh, has recently uh, gone through a divorce of her of her own there. But uh, she's uh, showed a lot of strength and courage. Um, she's settled. She's got a, a couple of uh, really good jobs there and an apartment of her own. And she's she's uh, self sufficient. Uh, my son John is in Boise, Idaho. Um, he has three kids by his first marriage, and uh, he is fixing to marry um, uh, Lori, who is a, a music professor at Boise State, uh, in September. So September will be a, a big time there. Um, so regardless of the challenges that our, our family has faced over the years, uh, we have always supported each other and responded in times of need. As I have experienced health challenges recently, uh, my family has constantly been checking on me and offering their support. It's become very apparent that as I approach retirement, hopefully this summer, I will finally stop selling pumps. <clears throat> uh, I'm, uh, uh, I'm the only family member that's not up in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, time has come to uh, make that move to join them. Uh, I'm now actively preparing to sell my home and relocate to Portland, Oregon. As a 40-year member, 
Mm. Uh, of, of all souls, uh, this church has been in the mains. This is uh, emotional. Uh, <clears throat> it remains a, uh, a big part of my spiritual life. Uh, both my, uh, as, as my biological family has been, this church has been uh, a big part of my spiritual life and supported me in times of need. I appreciate all souls in this community for helping me grow and become a kinder and more loving person. As I relocate and become part of another a new community, the teachings and support of all souls will play a big part as I enter the next chapter of my life. church when I was five. <clears throat> well, from such a long-term member, we have a relatively new member of the church, only a few years. How many has that long been, John? Two? John Mason. want to start by saying um, thank you to the mothers out there because without you guys I'm sorry you gals uh, us fathers wouldn't uh, wouldn't even be here so <laughs> appreciate y'all um, Ron thank you for those words tough to follow um, you know when John asked me to, to do this um, I think I was drunk <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's why I said yes. Um, trying to come up with, with something to say here today has been uh, enlightening, I guess. Um, but it's, it's been tough to narrow it down and to, um, to get anything uh, uh, out, or get anything organized uh, as to what to say. So, um, I guess... What fatherhood means to me is is really a mixed bag. It's um, uh, I think the the number one word that, that kind of comes to my mind is anxiety. And <laughs> there's just so many ways to get it wrong. There's so many things to worry about today that um, I don't feel that our our previous generations have had to worry about. That being said, there are things that we don't have to worry about today that our previous generations did have to worry about. Um, I look at fatherhood as a chance to uh, fix some mistakes that have been uh, that were passed down to my father from his father uh, and then passed down to me from my father and so um, I don't take that lightly I, I think that um, I have an opportunity and a responsibility to uh, instill certain values and, and beliefs and ethics into my children that weren't necessarily instilled into me, that um, um, 
Um, growing up, I, I remember not knowing the type of father that I wanted to be, um, but knowing for sure the type of father that I did not want to be. And while that wasn't the only thing I learned from my father, I don't want my children, I'd rather them, I'd rather be a good example for them so they know the type of, of parent, father, or mother uh, that they want to be. And so, I think like Ron said, or, or the quote you gave, um, it's better to, you got to lead by example. And so, um, that's one of the hardest things for me to do is, is uh, kind of overcome my selfish nature and, and uh, try to teach them the right, the right way to be. Um, it's not just about anxiety, though. Uh, I know that, uh, I'm sure you can ask my wife, uh, who's put up with me for going on six years now of marriage, something like that. Who's counting? Um, I, I know that I've changed as a person. I know that, that my children are, are responsible for that. And so um, to, I'm, I'm grateful to my children for making me a better father. Um, you know, whether it's, uh, it really feels like just a, a switch. I didn't know what to expect. Uh, becoming a father and, and when that when that day finally came it, it was um, a, a switch got turned on inside of me and I just was filled with, with more love than I think I've ever felt from any anything else in my life like a a hole was, was filled and um, I just know that I'm a better person because of my kids and so uh, that just makes it even more responsibility to make them better people because one day they'll have their own children and um, I just want I want them to be as prepared and as uh, ready for it as possible and, and to be as uh, as good of people as I can uh, help them to be um, this is all kind of out of order anyway my my kids Ron, the first thing you do is introduce your, your kids. Mine are uh, John, Amelia, and Tammy. Uh, they are uh, 2, 4, and 11. Um, we have, a, I guess, a non-traditional family. Um, and that has its own challenges as well. But uh, it's a challenge that, that as a father, I'm, I'm striving to, to rise to meet. Um, you do your best, and you take it day by day, and it's, uh, you know, Again, you can't do it without, I can't do it without my wife, without, without mother. So it's, it's nice to have a, a day of, of uh, appreciation, but uh, it takes a village. Um, um, I think I'll end with that. I think... Um, it's amazing for me to see just how, uh, just how proud I can be of, of the little things, and just how how great it is to see the traits, your your traits in your children, uh, 
it's not always the good traits, but um, it's still just amazing to, to see yourself and, and someone else. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great opportunity. It's an amazing opportunity to be a father. Um, I just really look forward to uh, meeting more kids and uh, getting lots of hot sauce. <laughs> Something you said, John, about uh, seeing yourself. If you, you want to find out who you are truly, become a parent. Because you'll watch it. And I say to Amanda, my middle daughter Katie called me earlier today, and I was trying to get ready to come in here. And I, and I mentioned, you know, I jokingly said to her, I was like, yeah, she wouldn't stop talking. I don't know where she gets it from. <laughs> so, um, our last speaker is. Uh, Man who's uh, been a pretty strong father figure in my life as well. He's taught me a great deal, and I do not say that lightly. I'm pretty hard on people, and I do not extend my respect lightly. But this man has, obviously. Several men met at the village maidservant circle. They talked about their crops, family, and village events. My father always set me on his lead and balanced me. I sometimes got off his lead and played with the other children, but I always went back to jump on his knee. We lived in a small village nested in the Bihar Valley, close to the Lebanese-Syrian border. My father was a farmer. He grew wheat, potatoes, onions, peas, lentils, grapes, and other fruits. We ate, we ate from the fields, and he would offer these for the things that he did not have already. The small village farmers could not compete with the big commercial landowners who were very well connected with the government and besides they had machinery. While growing up, I tried many times to help him with the plowing of the field. I would try to take the plow and have the control, but for him to get some rest. He would always tell me in a kind, loving voice, I don't want you to learn this. This is not for you. My father was born in the late 1800s, 
he was the only one for four children and his dad remained in Lebanon. His brother had to escape to Argentina during the reign of the Ottoman Empire. He told me over and over that I was so I was to go to school in the city. He wanted me to experience life beyond the small village. He loved to tell me stories. He told stories about Mormon, stories of the family, silly joking stories, and exciting stories about his feet. He always talked to me. He still talked to me, only now he talked to me in my dreams. They are my favorite dreams. My dad took me with him all over the Bekaa Valley, visiting villages and towns to buy some farm supplies and other necessities not available in the village. I never felt a stranger to any of the people we interacted with. They were always happy to see us and welcomed us with open arms. My dad was open-minded and accepted you as you are, whoever you are. After I moved to Beirut to go to school, I would return to the village for the summer. I came back with you with a new radical beliefs about government, equality, and religion. I believe that there needed to be a radical change in Lebanon. He did not understand much of what I said, but responded, son, you are your own person. You will always be my son, and I always love you for who or whoever you are. I could not visit him in the last year of his life. He sent a lot of recorded messages on cassette tapes. He sang songs to me and talked to me. He was happy for me to be away from the war raging in around Lebanon. He always expressed how much he missed me and his desire to see me before his death. One of the last things he said to me was that he wished to see me before he left this world. My father lived to be 104 years old. He was never rich and supplemented the farm income by working for the railway that led over the mountains. My siblings and I did not have large monetary inheritance, but he left us with inheritance beyond valuation. I have read many books about enlightenment and happiness that use big words and full of big ideas. It always amazes me 
when I find his word and spirit in many of these books. He who never read a book had his spirit appear to me in them. To my father, I'm grateful for your love and devotion to the family. I read many books and learned a lot from them that you were my, great, my greatest teacher. You taught me love, both in giving and receiving. You have been with me as I traveled to many places and learned many things. I love and still love the journey. You taught me about nature of things and people. You had the Buddha nature of loving, giving, and receiving. Your spirit cannot be described in words, only felt within my heart. I miss you, Dad. I will always love you. Happy Father's Day. Thank you.